0: Hello and welcome to the Run by Nature Club podcast. I'm the host Bryna, founder of Run by Nature and associate professor in exercise science. This is the fitness and fashion podcast that doesn't leave you sat on the bench. I, with the help of expert guests, am providing you with simple and sustainable solutions to help you work out and create a fitness wardrobe so you can finally look forward to exercising. Thank you for your patience last week with the last episode. It went out a few days later than planned and that's because I've been using a new platform. Riverside is an excellent all-in-one platform that allows me to record the video and the audio for the podcast and then it creates a clip. So whether it's a solo episode like today's episode is or a guest one like we've had for the last two episodes. It's a really simple way to create high quality visuals and audio that doesn't need me to be sat on the laptop going through, combining the tracks and doing loads of the technical behind the scenes stuff. That was one of the reasons why I struggled so much with the podcast last year. So I was really excited when I found Riverside Some of it is in the beta stage so there are of course always a few issues and challenges and bugs but the support team have been brilliant and they soon got the episode up and running. The problem was the drift and the sinking so I was literally talking over Fiona. If you haven't listened to last week's episode then I would love for you to go back and listen to that now either before you listen to today's or afterwards, because it's such an important topic and one that is just not spoken about within exercise and fitness. And Fiona is the founder of The Movement Charity, which is a London-based charity that exists to restore every woman's right to exercise. One of their main aims is to create safe and accessible spaces for women to exercise. So whether they have gone through trauma or come from multiple disadvantages, And there's a stat, I think it's from UN Women, or it might be from Women's Aid in the UK. They have it up on their Instagram so I can check the source. But it's basically that one in four women will experience domestic violence at some point in their life. So the chances are, if you are a coach, if you run fitness classes, if you're a personal trainer, if you work within the gym or the exercise and fitness industry, That either somebody you work with or somebody you coach or train has or is experiencing trauma. And as an exercise professional or even just as somebody who is attending a class or is a member of a sports team or a club. Of course it's not your job to diagnose or to treat or really it's none of your business what that person has or is going through. Unless of course they choose to share that with you. And that's not the point of the movement charity or their trauma-informed approach to movement, but it's about person-centered, individual approaches and creating a safer, more welcoming environment. And Fiona shares some excellent tips about how you can simply change your language or just by approaching somebody, having a bit of small talk, asking them how they are and making a few adjustments to the gym environment or how you work with clients could just make all the difference to somebody. You can maybe help to reduce the amount of triggers or make them feel safer and not shamed or guilty or even more anxious than they might do should they be triggered within that environment. If you are interested in finding out more, please check out the show notes from last week because I have all the links to the movement charity. And if you listen to the episode when it goes out today, You will know that tomorrow is Black Friday or BF, Best Friend Friday, as I have renamed it, because as a business, I am supporting Love Charity. If you want to shop, if you've been waiting for the sales on Black Friday, I completely understand. I am not shaming you, whatever you've got to do, understand that you might want to get all of your Christmas shopping done. And there's something that you might have had your eye on that you have waited to go in the sales. However I also know that Black Friday can be very stressful not just for individuals who are buying but for staff, for retail staff, for people working within businesses, for business owners anybody who is experiencing poor mental health this can just increase feelings of anxiety and stress and just overall at the moment the world is tough. I know it's challenging, there are lots of things that you might be facing at the moment so my reason for offering love friday is to either show yourself a bit of self-love or to pass on some love to somebody else as a brand if you had been wanting to shop for me i am more than happy to spread that love to you with a discount code so either drop me an email hello at ranbynature.com, send me a dm at ranbynature. nature I'll happily provide you with a personal and unique code so that you can treat yourself or somebody else to a piece of the inclusive and sustainable active wear. If, however, you are not participating, or maybe you're looking to do a different gift for somebody this year for the festive season, for Thanksgiving, rather than buying something for somebody or doing a secret Santa, how about you donate to the movement charity on their behalf? The details for the Just Giving page for the Movement Charity are in the show notes and you can also find them on my Instagram. The other thing that the Movement Charity offer are a weekly exercise class via Zoom. So anybody can participate, it's open to all levels, all abilities, everyone is welcome. It's £7.50 and the money goes directly to the Movement Charity. So perhaps you could get a bit of a workout, move your body and help the charity at the same time. If you are a fitness professional and you're interested in the CPD or becoming an instructor with them, then also do check out their website. I'm sure that Fiona would be delighted to hear from you. As I mentioned, today is a solo episode and it's a three part series. So yes, I will be talking to you for the next three weeks. it's a personal one. I'm going to get a bit vulnerable, I'm going to share my story because whether you have followed me personally on Instagram or you follow around by nature or you just happen to listen to the podcast for the last few weeks or whether this is the first time you are listening to me, you might be wondering why I have a career in exercise science, why I've been an associate professor why I've started a sustainable, inclusive, activewear brand, why I'm always talking about movement. And as I sit here today talking to you, my relationship with exercise at 36 years of age is the best it has ever been. But it wasn't always that way. And I have gone from success to failure everything in between, the highs, the lows, the ebbs and the flow, blood, sweat, tears, and all sorts when it comes to exercise, sport, and movement. Why am I telling you this? Because even if you don't believe that at this present moment you can have a healthy, sustainable, enjoyable relationship with exercise, I'm here to tell you that you can, and this isn't me spreading toxic positivity and pretending that I jump out of bed every morning and think yes I can't wait to exercise today or every time I lace up my trainers before I go for a run I just love every single moment and I can't wait to be out running and every run is easy and enjoyable and I've always got a smile on my face this isn't me saying that I don't struggle With negative thoughts and sometimes feelings of self-sabotage or perfectionism. Absolutely not. There's no way to be perfect and have this hugely positive relationship with exercise all of the time. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, exercise is like any relationship you have. The relationship with yourself, with friends, it's like dating, you have to nurture it. There are times when it's hard, it's difficult, there's a challenge that you don't want to continue, that you question yourself. But because I have, over several decades, just built tools and I'm now able to always come back to and centre my why for moving and really understand me and connect to my intrinsic motivation and my reasons for moving and quieting down all that external noise, it's made it easier for me in those situations and I can now recognise and be a bit more self-aware because I've spent that time. This isn't an overnight hack or trend and I know that it's really appealing the way that trends and hacks and quick fixes are marketed to you is there to draw you in. It's a multi- billion dollar industry to try and make you feel bad and to try and sell you the next quick fix and easy way to get fit and the best way to exercise it's all just marketing and it's just there ultimately and and unfortunately to set you up for failure until you change your mindset until you do the inner work it's very difficult to have such a a positive and healthy relationship with exercise and with your body but when you do and believe me when I say this when you do it is the most freeing and peaceful and incredible motivating feeling that you could ever have. But before I talk to you about how to get there and focus on the now and that positive relationship I have, I want to take you back to the start to where it all began. I'm from Yorkshire in case you didn't realize from my accent, every memory, or almost every memory I have from being young, being a child, when I look back at pictures, it's me outdoors in nature, playing a sport, exercising, moving my body, going on an adventure, I was fortunate that I grew up in a house where I had a back garden, a front garden, the neighbourhood was safe. I had friends and neighbours that I could go out, play with, do sports and exercise. I lived on the top of a hill. I'd often walk down to school, which was brilliant. And then obviously walking back up the hill on the way back home, I had an active childhood. I was always in the garden and my mum tells a story of when she tried to take me to dance classes and i think she tried at least twice and i just cried cried and cried and cried didn't want to do it just sat there on the sidelines because i was much rather have been in the garden getting muddy knees climbing trees running around sweating feeling free and sport and exercise has always given me that feeling real freedom and that connection to who I am. It just was able to like set off this spark inside me that just made me feel really aligned with like being human and being on this planet and I just got so obsessed with that feeling and that's obviously why now I'm sat here talking to you and I have built a career from it. When I was seven years old I then moved to the other side of Yorkshire, started a new school. Luckily, I was an adventurous child in nursery and in primary school. I think if I look back at my school reports, it would always say chatty, determined, bubbly and confident. So starting a new school, I don't think phased me. And when I look back at pictures, school pictures or birthdays, times with friends and family... I've usually got like, a cut on my face or a scab or bruises because I was just outdoors, always. So I started this new school, don't think it fazed me, made new friends, it was a Catholic school, I went to a Catholic primary and secondary and again I was extremely f- fortunate that I was at a good school. The people, the supply teachers, the teachers there offered sport and extracurricular activity. Two of my friend's parents were really into sport, hockey and netball. So I played so many sports at schools. I got the pictures, you know, you do the whole team photo, definitely football and netball. And we certainly played hockey, rounders and then before and after school because my mum was a teacher. so. I'd often be one of the first children in the school and then one of the last children to leave. I would have a ball or a skipping rope and I'd be playing slam with the boys once the boys got to school or football or bulldog or I'd be skipping, playing Kirby. Do you remember Kirby? I would wear my cycling shorts under my skirt and my dress so that as soon as that bell rang at break time, lunch time or after school, i didn't even need to change i could literally just get straight out and play outside i was always the girl or the football kit on non-uniform day and i would go down to the local team uh, with my dad and brother and go and watch football football was on in our house it was a topic of conversation so i was very much immersed and supported to to play sport. When I was eight years old, so not long after I moved to the other side of Yorkshire, one of the supply teachers at the school did a charity run. And in my head, this run was five kilometres. But thinking back now, obviously, there's no way that it was that long. I think we just did like a, a lap of like the block. So it was on the road, well, on the pavement. And I just remember loving it. Like as soon as that like gun went, well, they probably didn't have a gun, probably just said go. All the way to the finish line yeah the, there was nothing like it like the feeling your feet hitting the pavement the, the sound of your breath pushing yourself just you and your body like it was infectious for me and i did pretty well i can't remember where i came but obviously i did pretty well because the teacher came up to me and was like that's really good And then they spoke to my parents and said, you know, have you thought about taking Bryna to the running club? And I think the teacher might have had some links with the local running club. So obviously I go down to the running club, I join the beginners group and the concept was try a bit of everything. So run, jump and throw at that age, because obviously I'm only eight. So even though I'd gone for running, I did a bit of everything. And initially, I actually wanted to be a heptathlete and Denise Lewis was my role model. But I soon realised after falling over the hurdles quite a few times and landing on my back with the bar under my back and high jump that that probably wasn't really very realistic. So I focused on running. I still did a bit of throwing. We would often do team events and you would have to like fill in. uh, You know if there was like a gap because you would have like the A athlete and then the B athlete and you would get points. It was like a club points competition. You would travel around different cities and counties and compete against other clubs. And then a bit like football, where if you're top of the league, you can then get promoted. I was pretty good at javelin and shot put as well. Uh, Do the relay, but I was literally known then as the runner. And I would just want to be running all the time. Run, 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 like a bull in a china shop running into things, running into people. I once actually crashed into a boy in the school playing field. must've been about 10 and it, his forehead hit me here in the temple. And I, I thought I was okay. He had a massive egg on the front of his forehead, went back to class. And then I just remember throwing up on a boy next to me who was sat to me in class, threw up on his shoes and he had to go and get changed into his plimsolls and I felt really bad. And then I can't really remember much after that, I, can't, I had to go and sit outside the headmistress's office and then ended up being taken to a and because they thought I had a concussion. And the, the only thing I said was, can I get back to school? Um, I want to go running. Like I've got a sport to play, like it was just my focus. So I joined this running club and yeah, just running, 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 doing the competitions on Sometimes a Saturday but a Sunday training at least once, if not twice a week back then. I had a whole new group of friends. Nobody from my school was there, so I was now making all these friends. I was part of a team. I had like the kit. Um I would, you know, meet my friends at training and we'd talk about our day. It was really exciting and then we'd obviously compete at a weekend and you'd get time outside, outdoors. I thought it was absolutely amazing. I had so much fun and I loved cross-country. When cross-country season came round, the muddier the better. I didn't really like cleaning my spikes very much, but yeah, the muddier the better, the harder the course, just being outside in nature, freezing cold day, taking a flask of bovril and having a sausage or bacon sandwich. Absolutely brilliant. And as I got a little bit better, I would start to travel and go to bigger competitions. So now you're competing against 50, 60, sometimes hundreds of girls. My favorite track event was the 800 meters. So after I realized I wasn't gonna be the next Denise Lewis, I then wanted to be the next Kelly Holmes, literally obsessed, really wanted to go to the Olympics to do the 800. Did a little bit of 1500 as well, but the 800 was my event. And at primary school, the beginning of secondary school, to have sport alongside your academic studies, plus I was singing, I played the flute, I was doing drama, with the plays. It required me to grow up quite quickly in some ways because you had to be organised, you had to have good time management, you were communicating with different people, you were in very different scenarios and circumstances and environments, you were coming across new people all of the time. So it really develops your communication skills very quickly. I was already confident and determined, as I said, but this really enhanced those personal skills for me. And without me probably realising it, it enabled me to set a goal and achieve it and understand a system of going from A and getting to B and the hard work that it takes to get there and understanding the failures and the setbacks and the challenges. So it was building quite a lot of self-awareness and skills that I probably didn't even recognise at the time. And what a great feeling it is when you and your body, and it's just you, because although yes, I had the team around me and my club mates and friends cheering me on, When you're on that start line, it's just you, that's it. You're just running against the clock to get to that finish line. So to know that even though you have your coach who helps you, you have done that, you have achieved that, it creates a lot of self-efficacy and self-belief. And when you can see your times coming down and you're getting better, it's not just the physical part where you're getting stronger, it's mentally and emotionally, but on the flip side, because you know that it is you getting those results. When the results don't come your way, you could also be very self-critical. And it's very transparent and obvious to everybody how you're performing, that like you cannot hide in an individual sport like running. I mean, Obviously something like a track event, everybody's looking at the track. Cross country, of course, there's times when you disappear, it's not as obvious, but you can still see who crosses the line first, who comes second, who comes last, it is completely overt where you are, your ranking, you literally get given a number, you came 10th place, so you understand very quickly where you are, and that has some benefits, right, because it teaches you that there's going to be people better than you, there's going to be people not as good as you in terms of running, and that all you can do is your best on the day, and that is your position, so you, you learn how to win, you learn how to lose. And it shows you a lot of different individuals and their capacity and capability when they're stood on a start line and we're all looking different, we've got different bodies. Like That was really brilliant from that perspective. And to know that it's you that can achieve that when you set your mind to it. However, it can also mean that there's a risk of you attaching your identity to that. And when things are not going your way, when you don't get the time, the PB, the finish, when you're not stood on the podium, you compare yourself, you feel not good enough, and that you attach your worth and your success to those external factors. Yes, you can use it to motivate you to think, okay, I'm not there yet and I will get there, but that requires a lot of maturity and a lot of awareness. And sometimes adults don't even develop that, do they? So imagine trying to develop that as a child when you've got everything else going on in life. So there were challenges, and there were times when I would finish a race and feel absolutely gutted. I would be in floods of tears because I didn't do well, and then that might affect how I felt about myself for a little while, you know, you'd hang on to it. And again, you know, that can teach you to live in the present moment and to not look back at the past. But when you're going through it, it's very difficult to see that because you're so passionate about it that your identity can get caught up in I'm Brian the runner and you know friends would ask how did you do? Where did you come? Because it's just a, a normal question, isn't it? And you would stand on the start line, what's your personal best? And you would really start to compare yourself and you'd you'd almost before the gun had gone, you would look down the start list and you think, okay, she's here. Oh, she's not here that's good so I might finish in this place and you're therefore maybe limiting yourself a little bit you're putting a limiting belief on what you can achieve and again in some ways like there were girls ahead of me that I knew I would never catch they were just super fast at that time and for them I would often think wow that's amazing like it must be so good to be like the number one have a winning streak but the pressure that that must have put on that person and as you're growing, as you're developing just because you've been good at you know a young age you then might not be, that might not transition into you know, early adulthood and adulthood and everybody wants the number one spot don't they and you would notice sometimes that other athletes and friends would be like pointing you know, she's here today, let's try and beat her and you then get this really competitive attitude to it which you need to have right if you want to be the best in sport you want to be an elite athlete win at all costs you need that cutthroat approach but sometimes you also have to remember that we're all human we're just children and we're there running and to not let it go from being a passion and a love to something that's now actually causing some negative feelings emotionally right and, and whenever you do anything as i said at the beginning of this episode there are ebbs and flows there are highs and lows there are failures and you need to visualize those failures and you need to be able to cope and deal with those failures but you know back then it was the 90s it's quite surprised that I was playing football as a girl in the 90s against different clubs and schools but there wasn't that talk and awareness around mental health as there is today and it was a local athletics club where are you really going to have, are you really going to teach children about those em- emotional skills and that self-awareness? Probably not, I hope to see more of this in the future but back then it definitely wasn't a thing. So that is part one of my story. Stay tuned for next week where I will, of course, go on to part two. Let me know if anything I've said today has resonated. Did you experience anything like I have? Have you got any stories that you want to share about your own personal journey with sport and how you felt about PE, sport and exercise when you were at primary or secondary school? Please do let me know. You can DM me at by Nature or at Christmas on social media. You can send me an email, hello at rambinature.com. I always love hearing from you. If you have any questions, I would be happy to answer them. And I also have some exciting news about by Nature. If you don't follow me online, by Nature is the inclusive and sustainable activewear that doesn't leave you on the bench made to order using recycled or organic fabrics trimmings and everything i can offer customized length leggings and tops you can put your logo on them personalize them in any way i can do different arm and leg lengths for you i have a pop-up this month in london from the 30th of november for three days part of the collar pop-up it's not just about buying from sustainable brands there will be talks and events you can go and learn how to repair your clothing because it's all about buying well mending and extending your clothing there will be some drinks there will be lots of festive fun and there will be two new products from run by nature the socks are also being made hopefully as I speak I can't wait you to see them if you are signed up to the email list you will get a pre-sale a special link for you to shop the pre-order before anybody else and once they are sold they are gone i only create either made to order or in really small batches on a pre-order basis so it will be open for a certain period of time and then it will close but you will get a special link to get your socks before anybody else Thank you ever so much for listening. And I can't wait to speak to you next week about episode, about part number two.